Praise God. We're going to go ahead and release the uh, young people down to the... Praise God. I wonder if you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. This is going to be a little bit of an extended night. Please bear with me. I want to be reading a few of these things. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to be going from there to 2 Samuel 1. I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 11, 14 and 15. After that, Matthew 26, verses 33 through 35 and 69 and 75. So in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it reads this. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on, looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Second Samuel 11, if I can get, get there. Maybe that's much. Second Samuel 11, 1 through 11. In 14 and 15, it says this, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged, besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and when... And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David said, I'm sorry. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came into, unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned to her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was coming to him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how, all, and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his own house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down into his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go unto my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Drop down to 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. 
And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the front, forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. So if you understand what David did, it's not a very pleasing thing. So Matthew 26, I'm going to jump over to Matthew 26. You may be seated. I'm going to go ahead and just read this out in just a minute. Matthew 26, 33 through 35 says this. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. 69 through 75. Now Peter sat without in the, in the palace, and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were with him, or I'm sorry, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said unto Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bewrayeth thee, or betrayeth. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of, the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and whipped bitterly. Bitterly, excuse me. you... Pray with me, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for the word that you've already given us, Lord, the word that you've established, God, the word that you've put in us already. Lord, we're asking that you magnify that to us, God. Give us wisdom and instruction in your word. Give us knowledge, God, and increase our understanding of what you're, you're trying to say here today. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're going to give you the praise and the glory for it. Everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. So I want to talk to you tonight about getting past failure. So the ability to get past your failures and shortcomings in your walk with God depends on your faith in the Lord and allowing His grace to be in your life. Allowing His grace to be in your life. And when you talk about some of the great leaders of the church and when you think on them, you, you think of Moses, you think of David, you think of Peter, uh, Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage from the clutches of Pharaoh and out of Egypt. We all know that Egypt is, is a type of sin. Uh, Moses did a great and wonderful work here. David ruled over the height of some of, of, of Israel's greatest times. Some of the greatest times in Israel, David was the king. Uh, Peter stood up with the eleven, the Bible says, and helped those that killed the Lord to understand who he was and declared the kingdom of God had come unto them. And thus started the church by bringing repentance to those at Jerusalem. So these three men I'm talking about tonight have done some great and incredible works. They, they, they brought some, some things, just 
I'm sorry, not incredible, some very credible things, some very wonderful things, things that God has established and, and has done a great work, and only God should get the credit for it. So, but what a lot of people do not understand is that these people had a past that clearly most everyone nowadays would find questionable. Today, we are built to judge people in this time and era. Instead of allowing them to make mistakes and learn from them, we question it. We question even if they have repented of their sins and deny the very salvation that God has shown to them at times by verbally expressing our disbelief about, about them and about what they've done in our sight or by what somebody has told us about them, forgetting the very grace that has been given to them. So we, 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 see, somebody, we see somebody sin or we see somebody do something and we're like, well, wow, how could that person do that? You know, they're, that, they're, they're supposed to be living for God. Or, or why, why would that person do that? That's not right. That's not what the Bible says to do. And, you know, you kind of get that little, that little vision. And then, you know, you sit there and think about that stuff. And you let it roll over in your mind over and over again. And, and why would they do that? Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? So we, we forget what the Bible says, though. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. For ye are saved by grace. Grace, it's grace. We're saved by grace through faith, not, a, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's grace that actually establishes us, folks. You're saved by grace through faith. Your faith has to go through grace. And, and what is grace? Grace, a lot of people actually define grace as, you know, uh, the unmerited favor of God. I agree with that. And that's, that's what it says in a lot, of, a lot of the dictionaries. But what grace is, 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 a, is so much more than that. It's the ability to actually go ahead and do what God has called you to do. It's God's ability uh, to, to go ahead and work in your life. And you allow God to go ahead and do that. Amen? Amen. So, but the word appeared there means to show to or upon. To show. To bring to light. To appear. To become visible. So... That grace in our lives, that working in our lives, we're supposed to show that. It's supposed to be part of our lives. It's supposed to be a part of us. Now, how is it then that being shown the light of the truth can deny somebody else the same light that we have seen and we've been allowed to see? How, how can we do that? You know, how can we actually go ahead and say, no, 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 I don't believe that person is saved. You know, it's, it's, not, our, it's not our position to go ahead and judge people. It's not, our, it's not our right to go ahead and say, you know what, I don't think that that person is saved. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't move on everybody the exact same way. Not everybody grows the exact same way. You've got, you've got little babes in Christ, uh, and, and, and it takes time for, for children to go in and grow. Let, let me talk to you a little bit about, uh, about growing. We have to realize that some people take longer for the light to shine into them. We've got to understand not everybody grows the same way as we do. Uh, just because, you know, you were, you were born and raised in this thing or, or just because, you know, God has shown you something when you were, you know, just first coming up in church and maybe you've been in church for, you know, you know 10, 15, 20 years and stuff. That person that's just coming in church is not going to have the same vision that you have. They're not going to have the same light that you have. Everybody is different, folks. Everybody has a, a chance to grow and they grow in different spurts. Not every baby is the same. And we need to give those, those, those babies time to go ahead and grow. Has anybody ever seen a baby grow? I mean, seriously, you know, that baby needs mama's milk. 
And, and who is mama to the, to, to the, to the babies of, of the church? Those newborns that come in, those ones that are, are desiring God to, to work in their lives. And, and they go in and they come to the altar and they repent. They want to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's, that's a babe in Christ, folks. That's a babe in Christ. And we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the church. What does the church do? The church, I, I don't know how to tell, uh, tell anybody this, but... What the church does is the mother of, of, of these babes in Christ, we go in and we nurture them. We, we treat them. We, we don't have the right to sit there and stick our finger in their face and say, you know what, you shouldn't be doing that, young kid. You know, we don't, we don't bring condemnation on people. We love them. We lift them up. Uh, I, was, I was talking with, with my brother the other day. Uh, and my, I keep hearing this thing. And me, uh, me and my brother and somebody else, we, we got into a, a texting conversation. And, and, my, and my brother went ahead and, and, and texted me and said, you know what, I, I'm not trying to offend you or anything else. And I said, no, 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 I, I don't take it that way. I don't, I don't look at, that, at that, that way and stuff. I love you, brother, and I want you to know I appreciate you. And I appreciate what you're doing in the, in the, in the, in the kingdom of God and how you're helping everybody. And the way that you're expressing this stuff, the way that you're teaching this stuff, it helps the body grow. It's the edification of the church. And that's what we have to do with babies, folks. Babies need nurturing, not condemnation. Babies need the sincere milk of the Word of God. Babies can't feed on steak or pork chops. Does anybody know that? They don't have teeth to go and chop, chop down on that stuff. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Now, this is where the church, the mother, the mother of us all, the Bible says, is to step up and aid in the growth and the maturing of the babes in Christ. Mama has to step up and help that baby to grow. Amen? That, that's, why we, that's why we establish the church. That's why we have certain people do certain things. And they're teaching Bible studies. And we got a Bible study over here. We got a Bible study over there. We got discipleship class downstairs. We have youth ministry. We have men's meeting. It, it, it's all about establishing these babes in Christ and all about establishing the, the, the fellowship that the church has together. And we're a family. We're a family. We need to stick together. Amen? Praise God. But it's times when, when we go ahead and, and, and maybe we get a little bit out. Uh, you know, we, we take something that somebody says the wrong way. And, and we take it out of context or we take our thinking and, and, and we start to add to it a little bit. And, we'll, you know, we, we get offended because of something. It's when we take it upon ourselves to actually go and talk down to somebody because they're not like us. They don't, they, don't, they don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't, they don't sound like us. They don't do the same things that we do. Not everybody's the same. Not everybody's the same. We're, we're not cookie-cutter uh, cookie people, folks. God has, God has a, a different person over here, a person over here, and, and they, don't, you know, they don't look alike. They don't sound like, but, but by God, what joins us together is the Lord. What joins us together is, is prayer. We get into prayer together. We get into the same position. And I've heard this so many times. I'd have never, I'd have never connected with anybody, uh, mostly anybody in the church and stuff, but, but through Jesus. Can, can, any, can everybody understand that? I can't connect to a whole bunch of different people and stuff, but by Jesus. Because we, we run in our own certain packs. We, we run in our own certain uh, 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 circles of, of, of friends and stuff. And not everybody has the same friends. But through the church, we're all together. We're one. Hallelujah. 
we don't help people grow or build somebody up by tearing them down because they don't take uh, they don't take what we've said and, and, and bring it to uh, how we think that they should live. You know, tearing them down because they don't line up with what you think or how you think that they should be is not how God intended the church to be. God expects, expects us to be a church of love. And, and we love those people. We don't, we, there's... There's times in a church where, you know, there's, there's that one person that just says something wrong or has a bad attitude or, or just doesn't, doesn't understand how the church works. And it's not our job to go ahead and point our fingers at that person and to, and to tear them down, but to say, you know what, brother, I, I, I appreciate this about you and I, and I love this about you. Did, did you know, my wife tells me this all the time, she says, you know, all these people that, that, that point fingers at each other and everything, they, they need to understand you, you get a better response with sugar than you do with, with vinegar. We, we, we had to take our, one of our vehicles in for, for maintenance. And this maintenance, it was a lot more expensive than what we, what we had planned. And we, we brought it in the first time. And there, there's a series of things that you need to do with the vehicle. There's the, the, the A type and then the B type. Of service, and you need to have both. So we brought it in. They couldn't get, they couldn't get the fifty thousand mile uh, service done on the vehicle. So we made another appointment to go ahead and have that done. Well, the young man that was was taking everything down didn't. He didn't write everything down the right way. He didn't. He didn't establish that he was going to go ahead and do this. So when we brought the car back for the service that they appointed a time for us to come back. We told them there's some extra things on here on top of the service that we want you to do that there's, there's something wrong with the back seat. It sounds like something's stuck back there. And then we had another problem, and we told him this. And he said, no problem, but we're going to need to keep it for a couple days. And then when, he, when, when they kept it, they didn't just keep it for a couple days. They kept it for a week. And we didn't get any type of response. We, we got no emails, no texts, no, no phone calls, no nothing. Until the very last day when, when they said, it's ready, go ahead and come pick it up. So we went in there, and when we talked with this, this young man, he said, okay, your vehicle's ready. And we said, okay, uh, you know, this is what we did. And Tamara said, Tamara looked at the sheet, and she said, well, I'm not seeing the 50,000-mile uh, checkup that you guys are supposed to do or, or the, the thing, the package and stuff that came with it that you guys are supposed to go ahead and take care of. And, and the, the, the poor kid looked like he, he just, he's seen a ghost. And he was like, uh, and she said, you didn't do it, did you? And he said, no, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think that you guys were in for that. Well, he didn't listen. And it was, it was a point that he didn't listen. But so she, she was a little bit upset. I was a little bit upset because we, we took a whole day to go ahead and come down there. And they didn't, they didn't do what they said what they were going to do. So instead of us getting angry at this young man or frustrated with him and, and barking down his, his throat, and I'm pretty sure that... You know, this is probably what happens with this young man because he, he doesn't really pay attention. Instead of doing that, we, we go ahead and say, you know, can, can we go ahead and just speak to your manager? And, and Tamara just politely explains, hey, look, you know, we, we, we brought this out here. And, and this is the second time we brought this out here and this stuff didn't get done. Is there some way that we can make sure that this tries to get done this time? So well, what are you trying to say, Brother George? I'm, I'm trying to say this. It's easier to go ahead and get through to somebody with a polite word and an easy word 
and not try and, and bum rush them and try and just force your will upon them. You do it in love, folks. You do it in love. We do it in love. We say, you know, that, you know that's not really something that, that we do or, you know, that's not really something that we say. And, and we, don't, we don't force our will upon people. You know, God can do that. God will impress upon people. God will, will minister to people. And, and it comes through the actions of love and love through the church. Amen? So, again, you, you don't help somebody to grow by or or to actually build somebody up by tearing them down because they don't line up with what you think. You know, Moses did that. A little after a while that he killed the Egyptian, the Egyptian, and he buried him in the sand, he came upon some of his people in conflict with each other. They were, there's two, two guys out there, two Hebrew guys and stuff, and they were sitting there getting into it. He said to the aggressor, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you a ruler over us? Are you going to kill me as you did the Egyptian? This thing was known. So if somebody doesn't do something that we like, are we going to go ahead and kill them by our words or by our actions? Let me, let, me, let me just say this. You know, the Bible says it is better for you to hang a millstone about your neck if you offend one of these little ones. It, it's not about getting your way all the time. It's not about you. I, we were just in a meeting and stuff, and it's about the Lord, folks. It's about the Lord. Put your feelings Put your feelings down. Trample that stuff under. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And it's about what God wants. It's about the moving of the Spirit of God. It's about moving with what He wants us to do and to reach the lost. It, it, this, oh, this world is dying. And it's, 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 it's frightening if you stop for a second and you think about it. The millions of people who are lost, they don't know the Lord. We, we, had the, we had the missionaries that come from Chad, and they said that there's no work in Chad going on right now except for what they're doing. Can you, can you understand that for just a second? An entire country never even hearing the name of Jesus. Not even once. And people are dying and going to hell because they don't know. And we're, we're, we're sitting there arguing about stuff. Silly things, parking spaces. We're, we're arguing about somebody said something uh, uh, about me, or somebody somebody did something to me out in the parking lot, or or these crazy things. Why? What are we thinking? Where's our mindset at? Well, what about the lost? What about the people that we're supposed to go to? What 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 did Jesus die on the cross for? Your feelings? Reading about Moses. It said, and it came to pass, in those, in those days when Moses was growing, he knew that he was, he knew what he was doing when he killed the Egyptian. The Bible says he looked around the place where he was at to see if anybody was watching him, if there was anybody around. He was sneaky about it, and he didn't want anybody to catch him doing what he, was, what he knew was wrong. Folks, that's the flesh. That's walking in the flesh. That's what Moses was doing at that time. Now, King David, think about this. And it came to pass, is what the Bible says. After the year was expired, at the time when the kings go to battle. Think about this. At the time when the kings are supposed to, to go out and to war against other, uh, other, other kings and other places and stuff. David, what did David do? David stayed back. Uh, stayed back at the house. He was back at the house just sitting there relaxing and, and, and not thinking about anything else but himself. He sent, his, he sent Joab and his servants out. You boys all go out there and you go take care of that stuff. I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to relax. 
He stayed home with the, with the stuff. Nobody was around to see what he was doing. Nobody around was around in his mind. He said, oh, I'm free. I can do whatever I want to. He was where he shouldn't have been in the first place. Amen? He was doing wrong, and he knew it, folks. The Bible says, again, and it came to pass in an evening tide, David arose off his bed and walked upon the roof of that king's house and saw a woman washing herself. What are you doing, David? What are you doing? Why, why, aren't you, why aren't you where you're supposed to be? Why aren't you where God wants you to be in the first place? Why are you allowing other people to go ahead and work and do what you're supposed to be doing? What, what, what gets in somebody's mind that it's okay, you, let, let the ministry take care of that. That's the minister's job. That's the minister's job to go down there and pray for somebody. That's the minister's job to go ahead and go down there and lay hands and anoint somebody and heal them of the sick. It, it's the minister's job to go, to go to the hospital and pray for somebody. It's the minister's job to go ahead and teach a Bible study. Let me tell you something. It's thinking like that. That's the reason why the church doesn't grow. Amen. I'll say amen even if you don't. Hallelujah. So instead of being where he knew he should have been, he was where he should have not have been. Looking at things that he had no right to look upon. Lusting after another man's wife. David gave in to sin by allowing himself to do something that he knew was not right before God. David tarried behind when he knew that it was his rightful place to be with the others in battle. Church... Understand what, I, what I'm going to say to you tonight. Did you know it's a battle? That you're in a battle. This is war, church. This is, th these are the last times. We're in a spiritual battle. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spirits. We wrestle against things that you can't see. And, it, and it's a battle. And we're trying to go in and win these people for, for the kingdom of God. We're trying to open up their eyes and trying to help them to see Jesus and, and allow the Lord to work in their lives. But it's not going to get done if we, if we go out to the house and just kick back. Oh, let the minister do it. He knows, you know, he, that's what he's getting paid the big bucks for. Come on now. Can I just say that when we think we have the right to do something because we are who we believe we are, then we're not fulfilling the will of God for us in our lives. David was the king. He was the anointed king since he was a little kid. Yet he did that which was wrong and continued in it because he thought that he could get away with it, folks. He thought to himself, nobody would know. No one will be able to find out. I'm going to hide this thing. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep with this woman. And, and, and she came to him. She said, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Well, surely his sin's going to be found out now. So what does he do? He, calls, he, he sends a message to Joab and says, send me Uriah the Hittite. I'm going to cover this up. Nobody's ever going to know about this stuff. My, my sin's going to be hidden. Nobody's going to know. I'm the king any, but anyway. So he goes ahead and he has, uh, he has Uriah come in and he talks to Uriah and he makes it like, you know, I, I'm expecting something from you. What, what's going on in the battle? What's, how's Joab doing? What's all the, what, what are all the guys doing over here? And he tells them and he says, okay, great. Great. Go home to your, you know, go home. So he expects Uriah to go ahead and go back to his house and, 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 and to have marital relations with his wife. And yet Uriah says, no, 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 I can't do that. I, I'm not going to do that. He, he, he goes ahead and he falls asleep on the, on the, 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 the king's palace steps. And then they, they tell this to the king, and he's like, oh, man, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? So he calls him in, and, and, and this goes on a couple more times. And then finally he figures out Uriah's true blue. 
He's a man of God, and he, he, loves, he loves me. He loves Joab. He loves the people. He, he loves the Word of God, and he's not going to do this wrong thing. So what does he do? He, he, he sends a letter to Joab by Uriah and says, You know what? Put this man in, in the heat of the battle and then retire from him. Pull back from him. I, I want him to die. He's, he's thinking that he's going to be able to get away with this stuff because he's the king. He, you know, everybody needs to follow what the king says. Everybody needs to do what the king says. He's the king. He's entitled to this stuff. He is who he is, right? No, no, no. God doesn't approve of this. So it's the same thing when you're not in prayer meetings. Hello? It's the same thing when you're not taking part in things pertaining to the body of Christ. And you think it's all about you when you miss what God is trying to do in the church. I, I, yeah, I know. It, it sounds a little bad. Well, Brother George, you're, you're, are, you, are you relating me to Uriah? I, I'm simply I'm, I'm trying to go ahead and convey this message. When there's a job to do, and instead of doing the job because, you know what, church? We need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. And, 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 it's, and there's, a, there's always a job to do in the church. There's always somebody that needs to be ministered to. There's always a Bible study that needs to be taught. There's always somebody that needs to be taken under your arm and you show them the ropes about how, how the Word of God works and how, how God's Spirit wants to move upon them and how if, if, if they obey the Word of God and they obey uh, what, what it says in the Word that God's going to move on them and move through them and the spread of the gospel is the one thing that we need to do. And that's one thing that David forgot. Because he, he thought it was all about him. He thought it was all about him. And that's not the type of mindset that we need to have. We need to have the mindset it's all about Jesus. It's all about the word of God. It's all about the moving of the spirit of God. It's about the saving of somebody's soul. It's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's not about the things that you want for, for your life. Well, you know, I, I, I can do whatever I want to. Well, you know what? That's, think about this. I want to say this real quick. What would you think? Of Jesus, if Jesus said, I don't want to die on that cross for that people. You know, those people are stiff-necked people. Those people are rebellious. I, I don't want to shed my blood for them. Those people aren't worthy. What will we do, church? Think about that for just a second. If Jesus took the same attitude that we had, would there, would there be anybody saved? No, there would be nobody saved. Nobody would be going to heaven because everybody would be sitting there going over the same sin over and over again. You, would, you wouldn't make it to heaven. Think about that. If Jesus had the same attitude as that. Hallelujah. When you think it's all about you, then you miss what God is trying to do in the church. You miss what God is trying to do in the church. Peter. Peter was all about Jesus until it came time to confess him before a bunch of people he didn't know. He kept it quiet. No, no, no. After the Passover, they went unto the Mount of Olives, and they were all having a talk. And Jesus said, you boys are going to go ahead and be offended because of me tonight. Peter stood up and boldly exclaimed that he was never going to be offended. And the Lord said unto him, before the cock crow thrice, you shall deny me. Peter replied, though I should die with thee, I would not. Though I should die with thee, I won't deny thee. Pride. A little while later... Old Pete was watching where they took the Lord. And while he was outside by a fire, a maiden who recognized him said, you're, you're one of them, aren't you? Peter denied before them all. He went out to another place, and again, another maid recognized him that, was, that it was him that was with Jesus. This time he denied vehemently, saying, I do not know the man. 
I don't know him. That's, that's strike number two. So the third time, some people that were with Peter said, Surely you were with him, because your speech berayeth you, or betray you. You talk like him, bud. You, you sound just like him. You know, I, I don't know what you're trying to do and stuff, but that, that this, is, this is what it is. You sound just like him. Peter started cursing and swearing like an old sailor that he used to be. I do not know the man. And immediately, just like that, the cock crowed. And the Bible says Peter remembered the words of Jesus. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter had so much pride that he swore to the Lord that he would never deny him, even if it meant his death. Then he did that which he said he wouldn't. His thought about himself was more than he did for the Lord. He, he, he wanted to go ahead and make sure that he wasn't going to wind up how Jesus was going to wind up. How they took the Lord and they accused him of all these things. And I, I don't need to tell you what all they did to him. Uh, but it's, it's pride, folks. If you think about all these three men, you will understand what it is that got them. Because the Bible says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. It's the worldly influence that we allow into our lives that, that, that turns our head away from God and, and turns our heart Towards, towards yourself. Now, Nike says, just do it. Just do it. Other, other people and stuff say, you know, it's all about you. It's about whatever you want. Just do whatever feels right. And if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. Let me tell you something. It, it, it's never a time for us ourselves to sit there and, and bask in our own ambiance of our own, our own mentality of, well, we're so great. We can sit back. We can kick back. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. We need to push forward. The, the gates of hell are, 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 are sitting there. They're standing up. And what we're doing is we're ramming those gates. We're trying to get in there and try to pull people out of the pit of hell. Does anybody hear me tonight? Galatians 5 and 6 says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Well, what do you mean by walk in the Spirit, Brother George? Sometimes it, 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 takes, it takes fasting. It takes prayer. And not prayer where in five, five to ten seconds of your prayer, and stuff, you're, you're, you're coming to the Lord with a list of things that you want to do. But it's, God, what do you want? Lord, what do you want today? How do you want, how do you want this day to go, Lord? What do you have for me to do today, Lord? Is, is there somebody you want me to witness to, God? You know it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me. God, I surrender to you. I surrender to the will of God and what you want for me today. Lord, if you want me to witness, I'm going to go witness. God, if you want me to go to the hospital and pray for somebody, Lord, I'm going to do that. If you want me to, to stand on the solid road and put my arm around somebody and tell them about the love of Christ, I'm going to do that. Hallelujah. But all three of these men, David, Peter, Moses, all three of these men failed God at one point in their life, but after repentance came back to do the will of God. It was brought back to them that they got a second chance or they got another chance. And, 
and you actually look at, at, at their life after, after all this stuff happened. David wrote some of the greatest psalms that you've ever wanted to, to, to read. Psalm 51, if you never had a chance to read that, read Psalm 51. It, it's, it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's David's repentant prayer. And it's something that, if, if, you, if you understand it critically, it's something, I, I want to go ahead and say this, and I hope I'm not out of line. It's something we should pray every day. Psalm 51. But just like them, even though we had at one time in our life gone the wrong way, we too can repent. And repentance, we have to understand, is not saying I'm sorry for what I did, but rather turning from the way that you were going and going in the opposite direction. Going in the way uh, that fulfills the will of the Lord in your life. So it's not hard to repent. It's not hard to follow after the teachings of God and being led by the Spirit of God in your life. When we make mistakes... We repent of them. We go forward in God. We don't just sit there and loll in them. We don't sit there and, and, and dwell on them all the time. We repent and go on. Well, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. God, I repent. I confess what I did was wrong, God, and I'm turning the opposite way, and I'm going in the direction that you want me to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We make mistakes just like these men. I've mentioned here tonight, but we don't live in our past. We don't, we don't go over that stuff over and over and over in our mind. We, we let it go. We don't continue to do those things that we used to do, but we move on. Hallelujah. I'm closing. So church, if it's one thing that you get out of this message tonight, I, I need you to understand, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on past mistakes. If, if you've made a mistake, confess it. Repent of it and go forward in the Lord. Find out what God wants for you in your life. Go teach a Bible study. Go do something for somebody. If you, if you feel depressed in your body or in your mind and, and you don't know which way to go, go help somebody. Go bake somebody a cake. Go witness to somebody. Go tell them how nice they look on the street. Go, go outside and just say hello to your neighbor. Hey, how are you doing today? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, help some. You know, I used to love the Boy Scouts. Uh, and the way that they would do, they'd always rush up to somebody that was crossing the street. Hey, can I help you walk across the street? Did you know that the church needs to be like that? We need to be helpful to this world. We need to go ahead and point the way to Jesus. Is anybody hearing me tonight? Hallelujah. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. It's about the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we stand? Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We appreciate you, God. We appreciate the word of God that you've given us tonight. Father, help us. Help us to go forward in you. Father, help us to do the will of God. Help us not.